everyone, and welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news and perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. I'm Kathy Inis, and today we're uncovering flood mapping, how Congress is addressing concerns about future flood risks, and customer satisfaction. J.D. Power's David Piper shares the three things insurers should do to improve the policyholder experience. NAMIC is appearing before a House Financial Services subcommittee to defend underwriting freedoms at a hearing that purports to be examining discriminatory practices in the auto insurance industry. As the only witness for the industry at the hearing, Aaron Collins, NAMIC's Vice President of State Affairs, will provide lawmakers with facts regarding the proven legitimacy of non-driving factors in underwriting auto coverage and the benefits they provide for the vast majority of consumers. In her testimony, she will tell the committee that federal legislation in this area is unwarranted and unnecessary. NAMIC's position is based on numerous studies that have demonstrated time and again that such underwriting restrictions would harm policyholders by driving up insurance costs across the board. The growing number of severe flooding events has led Congress to consider ways to improve federal flood mapping and address future flood risks. During a House Committee on Science hearing last month, Ohio Republican Representative Anthony Gonzalez asked FEMA's Assistant Administrator for Risk Management, Michael Grimm, about the cost to the National Flood Insurance Program from repetitive loss properties. In your testimony, you highlighted the significant increase in annual flood losses since the 80s. Uh, in your estimation, what percentage of today's NFIP costs are associated with repetitive loss properties? <clears throat> and a repetitive loss properties create a significant drain on the National Flood Insurance Program. You know, those are the properties that flood repeatedly. Um, many of them are outside of the floodplain, which causes <clears throat> the issue around the mapping program in terms of getting to uh, uh, mapping beyond the binary line. Um, I'll have to get back to you on the exact percentage uh, that is the drain on the number of claims on the program. Um, it is significant. Uh, what I'd like to draw the attention to, though, is on the mapping program, moving away from the binary in and out nature of our flood maps. Yep. Um, as one of the members pointed out uh, in 1968, uh, when the maps were originally designed to be an insurance tool, uh, many communities and states and local governments have moved well beyond that. Uh, we have to move away from that to a graduated risk analysis so that we can address those areas that flood outside of the current flood mapped area. Ultimately, no specific legislation was addressed during the hearing. Last year, the House Financial Services Committee unanimously advanced the NAMIC-backed NFIP Reauthorization Act to extend the program for five years and address mitigation and fiscal solvency. It has not been voted on by the full House yet because of concerns from coastal members who believe the bill does not do enough to stop rates from eventually becoming more aligned with actuarial flood risk. The NAMIC-led Build Strong Coalition will hold a forum in Sacramento on March 5th in partnership with the California Chamber of Commerce on wildfire mitigation and resiliency. The event will focus on the FEMA's Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities, or BRIC, program, which is designed to help mitigate hazards related to the growing number of severe wildfires. 
Whether following wildfires, car mishaps, or other incidents of loss, optimizing the claims experience is key to policyholder retention. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with J.D. Power's David Pfeiffer about three things insurers can do to keep customers around for years to come. Well, my guest today on Insurance Unscripted is J.D. Power's Vice President and Head of Property Casualty Insurance Practice, David Pfeiffer. Dave is actually a 35-year veteran of the industry. He spoke just last month at our claims conference in Florida, and today we're going to talk a little bit about the important topic of using customer feedback to improve claims processes and procedures, which I think is a little bit about what you spoke about at claims. So, David, welcome to uh, the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So we know how important claims is to the customer experience, period. Uh, you know, our member companies often say it's kind of where they prove their value uh, for this otherwise nebulous legal contract that's purchased by consumers. Your research has uncovered a lot about why delivering a positive claims experience is so important. Can you tell us a little bit about the research that uh, J.D. Power has done and why you found the customer experience uh, is so important? Sure. So we look at uh, the entire uh, insurance cycle from, you know, uh, sales all the way through claims. Um, and, and we try to understand sort of how those different things that happen, uh, um, you know, affect the customer's experience. And we know today with, with all of the uh, sort of a lot of switching going on, people, it's very easy for people to now shop for insurance. You know, the one thing that really distinguishes you is your the, the experience the customer has with your carrier. Because consider, you know, you can be with a carrier for years. If you've never had a claim, you've probably only spoken to your insurance carrier a couple of times, maybe one time a year, uh, paid your bill, and that's been about it. When the claim when the claim happens, though, you know, as you said, that's when sort of the uh, rubber hits the road, and you have to perform as a carrier. Um, so people come in with the expectation that you know all the things that they pay for, things are going to happen. They're going to happen um, really well. Um, their person's car or their home or small business is going to be repaired or fixed to to their satisfaction. And what our research looks at is, um, and, and our research is pretty extensive. We we interview a lot of people. It's usually a twenty or thirty minute uh, interview. Um, is that you know the customers are looking for, um, uh, I guess the best way to describe it, they want an experience that matches up to their expectation of what should happen because it's not something that people. Um, um, have an experience with very often, uh, fortunately. Um, so they go into this with a lot of different expectations that carriers may not necessarily uh, be prepared for. Like, you know, customers, um, you know, expect carriers to interact with them the way they want to be interacted with uh, in the time frame they want their claim adjusted. Um, you know, they want to they they don't feel like they have to put out great effort, for example, to get the claim settled. That right. carriers should take care of everything. So uh, our research looks at all of those things to try and understand what are some of the triggers um, that either improves or declines the customer's experience uh, during the claim. 
Well, what have you found um, that our companies can do better to educate policyholders about the claims process? So there's there's probably three things, whether we're looking at an auto or property that, that stand out. Um, first and foremost is uh, claims operations, managing sort of that initial FNOL or first notice of loss, that intake process to do two things. Let the customer understand that you have empathy for their situation. Um, and then the next piece of that is to get them through the process so that they feel comfortable that what's going to happen is going to get them back to where they want to be um, with their with with from the loss. But they just feel at ease about what's, what, what this process is going to be. Um, you know, it's taking the time to explain to the customer not only their coverage, but the process, the steps they're going to need to take, who's going to be involved in the claim, how long the claim is going to take. All those things really need to be uh, um, discussed at the FNOL so that the customer feels comfortable about what's going to happen. Yeah, I saw in um, one of your uh, one of your slides in the claims conference presentation. There were three steps that were uh, particularly important. The uh, explain coverage, then explain process, and then explain next steps in the clear with clear timelines in the process was the uh, factor that was uh, had the biggest impact on um, you know customers feeling at ease. That's exactly right. Um, and we see that, like I said, regardless of the claim, those are the three critical steps in there. Um, explaining next steps and giving a clear timeline has the greatest impact uh, within that process, but they all three are critically important to customers feeling at ease. Got it. So first I should note that uh, I love J.D. Power because uh, I use your material routinely. Often when I speak to non-industry audiences about what mutual insurance companies are, and I love to discuss the alignment with policyholders that's part of the mutual model, and then uh, use the credible third-party research of J.D. Power to say, look at these you know, customer satisfaction ratings for auto or for homeowners, uh, which really prove that I'm not just uh, making that up. So thank you for that. Thank you, more than welcome. Mutuals do dominate your lists. Mutual, and we yes. define that, of course, as reciprocals as well, but. Uh, we don't have mm -hmm. to go through the names because I think they're well known. Uh, but uh, and there's probably a little bit of a bias toward larger companies than our many small companies. But uh, our members are routinely, you know, seven out of the top ten, uh, including always at the top, um, and, and at least your personal lines uh, studies. So thank you for giving me that great information to use. So going back to claims, uh, you know, policyholders after a claim is filed, often start to shop. Uh, and I know companies are focused on reducing post-claim shopping. Didn't you have some mm -hmm. some guidance on that as well? Yeah, well, if you, uh, if you go back, you, you know, you make that customer feel at ease, uh, then there's, there's, there's really uh, um, making sure that, you know, as you progress through that claim, one thing we always tell uh, you know our carriers is make sure that you you stay ahead of the customer all the way through the process. So the customer should never be waiting for something to happen 
and not understand what's going, uh, you know, what that might be, because it makes them nervous. They tend to call the carrier. That tends to lead to carriers having to, to react rather than being proactive. Mm-hmm. But if you do that well, um, you know, what, what we find is that in today's world, you know, we, we complicated things for the right reasons. You know, customers, you know, we now have texting and email and websites and, and all of these different communications uh, pathways. And unfortunately what's happened is customers are telling us in our surveys that there's too many ways that you're communicating with me. So, you know, we're, we're trying to get carriers to understand you need to pare your communication down to the two or three ways that your customer wants to interact with you. And I say that's important because, you know, sometimes that I find um, carriers post-claim will send out, you know, a survey. How did we do? You know, wanted to, are you, is everything okay? But what we're finding is a lot of carriers, you have a customer who uh, you interacted with through the entire claim by email. <clears throat> and then you send them a paper, an, a, a mail survey. Yeah. Guess what? They're probably not going to complete it or they're not going to be as happy because you change the dynamic on it, right? Um, if your customer only wants to do text, you should be texting them. Um, so, you know, one of the things when you get to that point, now the claim's over, customers are not worried about my rate's going to go up, uh, could I get non-renewed? You know, they get nervous about should I be shopping? Um, you know, following up after the claim is critically important but following up the way you've been dealing with the customer through the claim is just as important. All right. Makes um, perfect sense. So that will help sort of eliminate some of that angst, if you will, after the claim, if you, if you do that post-claim follow-up. That makes sense. Um, so overall, we find that, uh, you know, making the customer feel at ease, drive satisfaction, um, what other factors are driving satisfaction around uh, uh, claims experience uh, for our member companies? Uh, well, definitely, uh, you know, the, the top two indicators for overall satisfaction is that customer feeling needs and uh, meeting the customer's settlement expectations. And, you know, we, settlement expectations are funny because it's not just about paying them for the damage that was done to their property or their auto or whatever it might be. It really does mean their settlement expectations, when they're looking at that, they're looking at, you told me it's gonna take two weeks, did it take two weeks? Um, Did you explain to me, did you give me a thorough explanation of why I'm, you know, the settlement is the way it is? And, And we find our surveys are now, our studies are now showing us that, um, the younger folks that we're surveying, the, the Gen Ys, Gen X, Gen Zs out there um, are even more sensitive to that thoroughness. Um, whether it's the estimate or the settlement, they want in detail, they want a much more detailed explanation of what's happening than we see with the older folks in our survey, the boomers and the pre-boomers. So <clears throat> getting those things right uh, have a big impact on the customer, again, feeling like the claim went the way they expected it to because they understand all the details. Got it. So, you know, 
probably a year and a half or so ago, uh, NAMIC and JD Power collaborated on a uh, survey on automated vehicles. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. Um, and I thought mm -hmm. it had some interesting, particularly considering the time. I mean, a year and a half in the automated vehicle space and in the customer's perception, and I'd say the study may be dated today, but I remember we were quite surprised that um, the uh, rate of individuals, um, and we talked about, well, the question was, once there's a fully automated vehicle in the market, how many years will it be before you're comfortable riding one? Uh, right away, 7%, less than two years, 11, two to five years, 13, six to 10, 13. Anyway, I would not ride in a fully automated vehicle was the last response, 42%. Uh, and finally, there were the next question, we talked about the uh, uh, safety testing for automated vehicles and how safe would it have to be. And a 2% error rate was 14. They would require a 100% error rate was 45. And then finally, I would not ride in a fully automated vehicle, 38%. Uh, you know, this was a um, national survey of, of uh, you know, auto consumers. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are you seeing in the, I mean, and I'll bring it back to claims, so much of the technology we see today that's also being used in automated vehicles is being used in um, uh, regular cars. And it is producing uh, frequency, though it's probably driving severity up. How are you seeing this as a factor in, you know, satisfaction? Because it seems like there is a higher level of complexity that's that's goes with uh, claims today and drives some of these factors we've talked about. Whether it's how uh, precisely you can communicate, you know, when the repair will be done or what the process looks like, et cetera. So I just wonder how the technology piece is affecting uh, uh, the claims space. You know, we're still not seeing, you know, a significant amount of data coming in on, the, you know, uh, uh, like ADS systems and how it's affecting the claim satisfaction. Yet, um, though, you know, what we, we do see is um, we're seeing maybe more supplementals um, because they weren't able to, they didn't pick up all of the different uh, uh, um, the components with, within the car. You know, for a lot of companies, it's very hard. Uh, the VIN doesn't always give you everything that the that the drive that the vehicle has. Right. Um, it, it is certainly complicating the claims process. Um, you know, uh, your uh, you know cars can have up to four or five different windshields, and so it, it is certainly complicating more internally to the claim organizations. Customers, I don't, we don't really see anything yet that much on the customer side. Though we, we did some research about, um, you know, the, what's happening after the garage. Are, are, are people comfortable that their systems are, um, you know, functioning properly? And what we did find is there's a fair number of folks that when they got the, their, their vehicles back, that the systems were not properly calibrated so they, they they weren't sure that everything was working the way they they uh, it should have been and I think that is an area we're starting to look more at because that is certainly going to grow as as more uh, ADEPS uh, uh, um, vehicles go into the marketplace um, but it's still a little early yet for us to get much data uh, on that um, and then 
future. With our last question, let's wrap up with another technology-related question, and that is, you know, whether it's auto or homeowners insurance uh, claims, technology is obviously being used increasingly by our member companies, insurance carriers. Um, what kind of evidence have you seen, or what kind of examples do you have of, of uh, um, technology being effectively deployed uh, in the claims area? Well, I think what, what we're seeing, you know, the sort of the, the one area that uh, we're seeing a wide utilization, um, you know, is, is in sort of photo estimation. Um, we're seeing more and more of that. Uh, and, and what we find is that anytime that we have technology on the consumer side now, so whether we're talking about, you know, digital uh, um, uh, first notice, or we're looking at the digital estimation or any time that we're asking the customer to increase their effort level. So you're taking a picture of your vehicle or inputting data into their website or their app. Anytime you do that, what we're seeing is customers seem to like it. Um, satisfactions are, are usually really good, provided whatever they did either reduces the time uh, of the of the claim, um, or or meaning so it speeds up the process. Um, what we what we found is, and photo estimation is the sort of the the perfect example of this is, the customer takes a picture of their car or their house, and and you use that to do the estimation. Satisfaction is is quite high. Um, if other uh, estimation has to be done because the photo didn't work satisfaction drops way off. Right. So if customers are asked to put in effort, it has to benefit the customer, either from the speed or in the speed of getting the claim process. Um, so there is a downside if you don't use it. Um, but that's the, the one area customer facing that we see uh, the, the estimation uh, more than anything else. Um, well, that's, that's a great, uh point to end on because uh, I know our companies are looking at a lot of the technology solutions that can help them in the claims area and I know from your presentation that you know resolving customer issues uh, at that first notice of loss and and ultimately trying to have kind of a one call resolution uh, is a goal that um, you've noted is in the industry and I'm sure is with many of our companies and will go a long way toward um, you know driving positive customer satisfaction and it's obviously easy to see how technology can play a big role. Great. Well, David, thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. On the next Unscripted, Chuck talks with East Carolina University Risk Management and Insurance Program Director, Brenda Wells, about cannabis and the challenges insurers face with underwriting this budding industry. As we celebrate NAMIC's 125th anniversary this year, we're taking a look back at the association's storied history. In today's Mutual Minute, NAMICO President and CEO Tim Sullivan reads a passage from A Century of Commitment, painting a colorful picture of the first time NAMIC's annual convention was canceled. No convention was held in 1943 because the federal government, through the Office of Defense Transportation, requested that all conventions be canceled. Secretary Cooper canvassed the board 
and received an overwhelming response that since the convention could hurt the war effort, it should be canceled and the officers carried over for another term. The year can best be summed up with a quote from Mr. Cooper's secretary's letter. With the tottering world at the brink of destruction, with millions of armed forces in death grips, with all to lose or all to gain, mutual insurance forces should realize their responsibility as never before. People may grumble about making repairs, complain about rationing, or grudgingly give up coffee. How foolish. Many are giving up their sons, sisters, fathers, daughters, and mothers. Some people are really suffering from heat, and soldiers are dying, while miners strike, steel workers take a day or week off, and unions quarrel among themselves as to who shall control this job or that. There's only been one other time NAMIC's convention was canceled, and we'll have more on that in a future Mutual Minute. Be sure to listen for more in the weeks ahead on our journey to historic Boston for NAMIC's 125th annual convention. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We'll be back on March 18th with more insurance news and interviews. As always, if you have a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncovered at Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.